0: This, this, this is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The
1: Dallas Cowboys
0: select TD Lamb. Oh,
2: and now, your hosts, Brian Broadis, David Hellman,
0: Bucky
1: Brooks, and Kyle Yeomans.
0: Oh. Welcome into the DallasCowboys.com <laughs> draft show. We are here on a beautiful Tuesday and maybe a little bit late because. Technical difficulties have run rampant throughout the uh, the backside of the Dallas Cowboys.com Draft Show, but we are here and we are ready to bring you draft coverage on what is Senior Bowl Week. We are 90 days out from the NFL Draft, and well, this is a great week for grabbing all of that information and finding our way to uh, the NFL Draft. Welcome in, everybody. Kyle Yeomans alongside David Hellman, Brian Bratis who are the normal cast of characters here on the Tuesday agenda of the show but we had some trouble connecting with Bucky Brooks he'll be on Thursday instead we have gotten Jeff Cavanaugh to come in out of the bullpen just real easy always ready to come in and uh, pitch in relief and Jeff thanks for joining us so quickly I mean I know you had a lot of setup to do I
3: know that snow globe is holding up your phone right now quite nicely well, I don't think that the audience can see that, Kyle. So you're not supposed no. to mention that. I'm going to tweet it here in a second. I've already taken a picture coming. of it. Yes, I have a I have a book on top of a uh, bottle of scotch, and then my <laughs> phone sits on the book, and then the snow globe holds the phone up from not falling over. But yeah, I never have anything going on in life. So anytime you need me, I'm here. And there's tacos at the door, but who cares if they're going to be cold? You know, let's do the draft. <laughs>
2: Well, look, we're we, just like we're just like the NFL teams that are putting this thing together. Like sometimes you you might not have a combine, you might not be able to watch workouts. You just got to stitch it together with duct tape. And that's what we're doing right here. And I for one really appreciate it. Thank
0: goodness. And Brian's holding on to to dear life to his internet connection, everybody, just so you know. So if you hear hear Brian cutting in and out, that's why. But he sounds great in our ears. And, Brian, I know this is a big week for you because, of course, the Senior Bowl is where you get a lot of this information. But how important is this Senior Bowl this year just based off of the fact that you don't have a combine or at least a normal combine, you don't have those in-person visits. And this is really the one opportunity that you're going to have in order to find uh, a lot of the information on these various prospects.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's the first time though that you really have be able to have the measurables of these players, and you know this past weekend, you know Jim Nagy and the staff was uh, working through all that. Uh, they were going through COVID tests, they were going through isolation, you know, a lot of things are having to kind of go on right now in order to get these players out on the field uh, to hopefully have practice today. I was talking with a team that as they got 12 scouts there to watch practice, so, you know, it's just, uh, it's going to be a lot different. Uh, the interaction you have with the players is really going to be limited. You know, and like I said, Jim and his staff have done a heck of a job of getting us to this point. And you know, hopefully, the that they can know uh, the the Panthers and the Dolphins. We can have practice. Uh, we can get film out there, and uh, you know, everybody can kind of maybe uh, look at this as uh, some normalcy. You know, when you, when you when you watch Senior Bowl practice, that's the best thing in the world. So. You know, getting those uh, those players out on the field will, will be a, a welcome relief to a lot of scouts who have spent the uh, the fall, you know, at their home uh, just grinding on tape. To see players actually live, I think is going to uh, do a lot of scouts good in this uh, in this way. Yeah, and you
0: look at the Senior Bowl, I mean, a lot of changes to it already. I mean, based off the fact that this is the first year that it's not at Ladd People Stadium. Instead, it's on the campus of South Alabama, and it's at a new stadium. It'll be at the stadium whenever the Senior Bowl game actually rolls around on Saturday. It's not open to the public. None of these practices are because of COVID-19 and just limited personnel and media that are allowed in the building as well. It's one of the reasons why we're not down there. Normally, we're in Mobile doing uh, the draft show and having that kind of information gathering, but that's not the case due to the certain climate, but Dave, whenever you look at the Cowboys specifically, I mean, they have had a rich history of going and getting guys from Mobile. And this year, they're not even really sending a whole lot of coaching staff down there. It's mostly just a, a couple of, uh, of scouts. And really, that might be about it in terms of who makes the trip. But how much of an impact do you think this type of different week of the Senior Bowl in general is going to have on the Cowboys' coaching staff and front office?
2: Well, yeah, and, I mean, these things change by the regime to a degree. Mike McCarthy made it pretty clear last year that he doesn't think it's all that important for the coaching staff, especially since these practices will be available. You know, they'll distribute it to the league so you can watch the tape of it. You can watch the tape of the game after it's over. So that part's not surprising. I'm I'm curious about the scouting staff, um, you know, whether they get the same amount of stuff out of it. I had to laugh this morning. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, – jim nagy had his social people tweeting out the heights and weights Mm -hmm. and and all the measurements of all the guys and i was like wait wait a second because i've had to get up at the crack of dawn with brian brought like the last eight years and go do this myself so you're telling me i can just get it on twitter from the comfort of my own bed (laughs) like i hope that's a change that stays with us because that's great um but the, and and you know obviously everybody would prefer for it to be normal but again like technology allows a lot of this stuff to be done remotely so as long as the practices happen I think the Cowboys will be fine and yeah I mean you're absolutely right they value like like Brian just said like being able to see guys get live reps is valuable and the Cowboys have pretty reliably you know looked into this senior bowl crop tony pollard is probably the best most recent example of a guy who really flashed at the senior bowl obviously you know we don't need we don't need to bring up dak at this point but yeah i mean this this carries a lot of weight for the cowboys and the proof is in the pudding they draft these guys all the time
1: oh zach martin too remember that, remember that that glorious senior bowl that we were all part of where you know, Zach Martin is 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 showing his wares, though, and you know, and that's you know, and Aaron Donald, what a great matchup between those yeah. two, you know, and, and that's the that's the thing I think that Jim Nagy and you know, and the, Jim Nagy and his staff, they've done a really good job. I know Jeff and I doing radio, we went through the list of the senior bowl guys that we were looking for, are looking at, and excited, and you know, it, it's a good crop. And and, I, and that, that just goes to show you with, you know, scouts can be resilient. Jim and his staff, they, they didn't take no for an answer. You know, they continued to scout, they continued to evaluate, they continued to invite. They went through all the protocols so we can have a game. That that shows you a lot about really what goes on in the scouting community in the National Football League.
0: You know, Brian, I'm jealous of you just based on the fact that Dave said he got up for eight years and went to you to the weigh-ins. Because last year I tried to get him
2: to get out of bed, and he wouldn't do it. And he wouldn't come with me to the to my first weigh-in at the senior You Bowl. do that – yeah, it's exciting the first time and then like by the eighth time you're like, "Well, Brian, Brian will have all this written down when I get to practice at 10:30." Like it's, you know, this is fine. I think With, I, 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 w- I should point out. Oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: I was just, no, go go you go for it. I want to hear what you wanted to point out.
2: You should point out that
0: Kyle
3: is a snitch. They yeah. probably <laughs> snitched on you.
2: I I was going to say that at the break. Yeah, like very uncool, Kyle. But uh, no. <laughs> hey, that's called that's called paying your dues. You get up at six thirty with Brian to go to the weigh-in. Like the first six years, and then by year eight, you can sleep in. Um, well,
1: I'll tell you. I'll tell you a snitching story real quick, and it's not on anybody I work with here. But don't you do it. I, I used to go to the combine, the weigh-ins at the combine, and you'd have to get it to get one of those front-row seats. You had to leave at about five thirty in the morning to get over there to get a seat. And I remember coming down the elevator many a day, and like uh, the cowboy bus that was parked on the other side was still rocking and rolling with our crew over there. So uh, yeah. yeah, we we did we, we did it the right way at the, at the combine. We had we had we had everybody was I will say this though everybody that was in that bus all night was sitting at the forty yard line at eight thirty in the morning watching. So mm-hmm. that itself was very impressive how that crew used to operate. So yeah. It's not a lot of fun doing that. Not a whole lot
2: of sleep. The number of guys that... Oh. No. And the the number of guys that go to... And again, we're not going to say any names, Kyle. No, I'm not saying that. You go to... You I'll go to man. weigh-ins and workouts at you know seven o'clock in the morning. You'll you'll see some hang you'll see some hungover people for sure. sure. You will see. You will see. You got to yes. work
1: yeah.
0: hard and play hard. No doubt. No doubt about that. I mean, whatever you look at, at at the the job that that Jim Nagy has done, and Brian and I were talking about this off air as well. I mean, it's it's a crop that seems to get better every year. I mean, last year we were excited about guys like Javon Kinlaw and Justin Herbert who were in the crop, and then this year. It's Devontae Smith. I mean, you get the Heisman Trophy winner anytime to come to Mobile, and you're going to be really excited. Same kind of thing back in the day when Baker Mayfield was out. Uh, at the Senior Bowl, and you get another guy like that, and then just another incredible crop of receivers. That's what I'm excited about, not to draft a receiver, but to look at a lot of these DBs look at a lot of these corners. And I kind of want to go through some of those corners later uh, in the show, Jeff, because I know you're looking at a bunch of those secondary guys and how they're going to match up against those wide receivers. But whenever you look at some of these prospects, Mr. Cavanaugh, who has the most to gain? from a week in Mobile. Because if you're Devontae Smith and you're a Heisman Trophy winner, you already have put out the incredible tape. You had one of the best seasons a wide receiver has ever had in college football. And now you turn around and you expect to add to that via a week down in in exhibition practices and exhibition games. Who has the most to gain out of this? Is it the opt-outs? Is it the small school guys? Or is it guys like Devontae Smith?
3: Uh, I I think it's probably the the small school guys are what I would say is number one. For instance, like I'm looking at the DBs, and if you played at a bigger school and you've played against great competition, teams are going to have a pretty good feel for who you are because they've already seen it. But just a random name, Robert Rochelle from Central Arkansas. How about if Robert Rochelle shows up and in practice he locks up Kadarius Toney from Florida and he's able to cover Amari Rogers out of Clemson. I I I think the guys who have the most to gain – are guys who teams aren't sure that they can do a portion of the game. You know, you've got a guy who is good in man coverage, haven't seen him in zone, don't know if he can tackle. And you've seen you've got guys who, oh, I'm not sure about him in man coverage. Like, if you can show something that scouts didn't know that you could do, that can be huge. A linebacker who you haven't seen in coverage a lot. He goes one-on-ones and locks up tight ends and running backs in coverage. That can help you. But I think for the most part, you're talking about guys that are trying to move themselves, like late or mid-round guys who are trying to separate themselves from guys they're practicing with and against. That's what the Senior Bowl is about. And that's why it's awesome for all the guys that commit to it, because what you're saying is, I'm willing to compete. I'm willing to risk some draft stock because I think I'm really good, and I'm going to make money out here. Yeah, I think
1: Jeff. And Jeff's nailed it, right? And, you know, another name I think about is Melifonwu from Syracuse. Mm-hmm. You know, and the reason the reason I say his name is, he's six three. He's two hundred and fifteen pounds. That's what we had going in. And you watch his tape, and we all remember his brother Obi, who was drafted at you know by the Raiders out of Connecticut, who mm-hmm. played safety. But man, you're talking about a 6'3, 215 pound cornerback right now. And so, how is he going to match up? Are you worried when you see him live? Are you worried about, okay, is he a long, leggy guy? Can he turn? Can he break? Can he adjust? You know, sometimes with those tall guys, you, you have to, you lose perspective of, like, okay, is he not quick because he's tall and long? And so, when you see somebody live like that, it could put your mind at ease like, "Oh, I get it. He's a smart kid, he's a tough kid, but yes, he can move." That's what these practices can really can tell you. And and these teams, the Dolphins, Carolina, they'll do a good job of structuring their practice in order to see the drills where you'll see the movement, the change of direction, and you'll get to see him compete. So That's where the great thing about the Senior Bowl is that maybe some guys that you didn't have a really good gauge on just off tape, the Senior Bowl can kind of open your eyes to some other avenues.
0: Dave, I think a guy like that from last year was a Kyle Duggar. I mean, a guy who you had good tape on and you really, really liked, but he had a good Senior Bowl as well. And it kind of added to that, and it ended up pushing him up into the top Top three rounds. I can't remember. Was Jeremy
2: Chin also a Senior Bowl representative yep. last year? So, I was going to say was. Jeremy yeah. Chin and Kyle. Dugger yeah. For so sure. both
0: of those guys yeah. could have been uh, a, a very high. I don't think Chin had as good of a Senior Bowl, but he was still somebody that was that was very nicely represented down in Mobile. But I mean, it seems like every year those those guys that end up sticking out, David. Oh,
2: I mean, you know we can heap praise on Jim Nagy through this whole thing. Cause again, like when I started doing this, yeah, like you would occasionally, you would occasionally get a good player, you know, Zach Martin and Aaron Donald were great college players, sure. but they didn't have nearly that kind of hype coming out of school. And now you look at, you know, the type of guys that, that they're able to get, you know, Devonte Smith's not going to participate, but even getting him to show up, you know, they've gotten Baker Mayfield to show up. Um, so yeah, and I bring that up to say like if these guys invite one of these small school guys, like if a if a FCS D two or D three player is at the Senior Bowl, he's probably pretty freaking good. Uh, Ali Marpet is another one that comes to mind. Yeah. So Hobart. yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is yeah like if these guys are if they're in Mobile, they can play. And you know I'm I have I'm past the point of being surprised when some of these guys climb up into the first few rounds of the draft.
0: Brian, from a scout's perspective, I I know pretty much the combine is the same way, but the senior bowl is a it's a rounding of what you've already found, correct? It's 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 finding and finding those different things, and kind of like what Jeff was talking about specifically whenever it comes to filling in the cracks of what you think about a prospect and what you might not like about a prospect. And those prospects have one final opportunity to maybe show that they can do that. But how much does it weigh, especially in a year like this where you have to deal with so many of the guys that are uncertain, that were opt-outs even, uh, that we've already talked about. But all these scouts kind of piecing this together, How? much of a challenge is it from a senior bowl perspective in 21
1: yeah i know it's a big challenge but you know we've talked about this before scouts can be very resilient Mm -hmm. in the way they go about you know if you tell them within the rules this is the interviews this is the access this is what you can and cannot do you know you'll you'll figure out ways to evaluate I, i always go back to you know, with the, the with Al Davis back in the days with the Raiders, Al Davis, he would take two or three guys every year from the Senior Bowl. You know, that was something that was really, really big to the Raiders back in the day. That, you know, that and, and there's teams to this day also put a lot of weight in what goes on in the Senior Bowl because what you're trying to figure out is okay, you take these players out of their element, an Ali Marpet from Hobart. And you put him next to Zach Martin at Notre Dame in his element. You know how, how? do these players? Is 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 the stage too big? Is the opportunity too much? Or no? Do they shine? And, and I think you could get a lot out of uh, the Senior Bowl, not just because of the competition or the interaction, but you could see how players in various weight classes react to the uh, their surroundings and. I think it's a very good – it's a good uh, window through what this player really, really is. And, you know, we always say, I had a bad Senior Bowl. Hey, I just appreciate the fact that somebody would go to the Senior Bowl and participate. You know, we talk about that. Put it out there. Throw it out there. You know, yeah, you might be from Central Arkansas covering a guy from Notre Dame, but, you know, if you have some good reps – you know that in the mind, it's like ah, I knew that kid could play. I knew that kid could line up and and, and cover that guy. So yeah, it it it'll be a, it's a great week. It really, really is. I don't think anybody gets hurt by it. I think there's some things that can change your opinion uh, in a good way. But you kind of say, okay, trust your eyes on the other stuff. Maybe he had a couple of bad practices, but a good game. There's a lot you can really, really gain out of this, uh, this game. Not only, Like I say, the whole week of evaluation and then the actual game itself.
0: I love it. There are a lot of guys out there that we're going to talk about in the third segment that you need to keep an eye on, not even just as Cowboys fans looking for the draft, but just in general because there's a ton of talent down in Mobile, and we're going to talk about it. Practices start today, 11.30 a.m. Central Time. They go to 4.00. So, I think the NFL network is broadcasting it, and we'll be watching along as well. So, go ahead and follow all of us on Twitter to keep up to date. But when we come back, we'll do some Twitter on the 20. We've got some questions about the priority with the Dallas Cowboys and where do some of these players fit in Dan Quinn's system on defense? We'll talk about it next when we return on the DallasCowboys.com draft show.
4: There's nothing as unique as our eyes.
3: Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team.
0: Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day...
3: May I have a new candle please? Historically, switching to
0: new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan may not be in your area. See att.com/5g for you for details.
2: This is the DallasCowboys.com draft show.
0: Our second segment here of the DallasCowboys.com draft show here on this Tuesday. Brian Broaddus, David Hellman, Jeff Cavanaugh, Kyle Yeomans. It's time now for some Twitter on the twenty and our twitter on the 20 on question the 20. i don't know if we have the sound or the back chris beam is not back there twitter today. on the 20. oh there it is oh it did it oh. popped up wow it did okay it went. it went it actually went well done matt kent doing a great job okay so caleb says twitter on the 20. while understanding that defense is the priority are there any offensive players on day three that could potentially surprise the Dallas Cowboys. Specifically, he wants to know at the skills positions. I'm going to defer to Mr. Taco leading Jeff Cavanaugh on this one. Do you think ho, ho, there hey. are any day three guys that the Cowboys could potentially be interested in as a skills position?
3: Um, yeah, I think so. I think because you have to look at your entire roster. There's a couple of things that are going to be true here. One. If the Cowboys took a wide receiver on day two or three, the impact that they would make immediately on the Cowboys is probably very, very little. But they also have decisions to make. Guys like your fourth and fifth wide receivers, Devin Smith, or not, I'm sorry, um, um, Cedric Wilson Mm -hmm. and Noah Brown. Like, those guys, are they going to be on the team? You don't know. So, like, there's room on this roster for skill position players for sure. And there might be room for a guy who's one of your three top receivers going into the 2022 season. Michael Gallup's going into his final year under contract. So yeah, I think for sure. And every year, you're going to have so many good wide receiver prospects that you could go into the fourth or fifth round, and you might find a guy that can be a really good NFL wide receiver. So yeah, keep your head on a swivel. Know the names of these receivers. Uh, the Cowboys are going to have at least 10 picks in this draft, depending on what they do and how these comp picks shake out. Yeah, I think you could absolutely take a skill player.
1: Yeah, I think they you know the, the the thing. And Jeff's absolutely right. And I know Dave can address that as well. You know, you seem to have an idea of who your, your top three receivers are. Uh, you know, you could always, you know, depending on, what you want to do with uh, some other positions. Maybe you feel like, hey, well, we got you know, we got to think about a possible replacement for Michael Gallup going forward. Do you want to develop a guy? Yeah, th- th- these, these drafts are always the one thing that we've learned over the years is the skill position seems to be one where all of a sudden you get down in the fifth round and we're on the draft show and we're working the draft and then somebody gets taken and Jeff goes, well, that's a guy I had in the third round. You know, I had I had a fourth round grade on him, and all of a sudden he's taken in the fifth. So the the, the skill positions can go pretty deep uh, generally. Uh, I also feel like though that's the opportunity too in that you know in that fourth round, fifth round, you know, look for those offensive linemen too. That you know where you don't want to sit there and wait till the sixth and seventh round to try and find a tackle. You know, I mean th- this team has done a pretty good job. You know, heck, they got a starter at a third round with with Connor McGovern, who they had a second round grade yeah. on. So you know, they, they're going to work. They're going to work this board, not just for this, not for the skill. Yeah, Biotis is another one, very good. Yeah, you get a starter out of that. So well, well. yeah, so I, I I would say the middle of this draft board is going to be more about taking those offensive linemen or maybe even a defensive tackle or two. I think mm-hmm. that's the position that i would kind of focus on if i was a cowboy fan
2: i just i mean i y'all covered it very thoroughly but i would just throw in yeah i mean obviously the cowboys needs are defense but i mean doesn't the conversation change once you get past like you know the the fourth round basically like the first four rounds are where you're drafting guys mm-hmm. who you expect to make an impact immediately and even that's not a guarantee you know we couldn't get reggie robinson on the field this year for some reason yeah um But so, you know, we always say, like, it's, it's best player available with a shade towards your needs. But the later you get in the draft, the less I care about my immediate needs. You know, the Cowboys might need a safety... But if a wide receiver that's really, really good slips to the fifth or sixth round, I don't give a damn because neither one of them is probably going to contribute right away. So that's for me. That's the fun thing about day three is you just pick the best possible player always because sure. these are more about long-term investments anyway.
3: Which yeah, means that day three is yeah. going to be a time where all of us have watched, uh, you know, two hundred and whatever guys. And it'll be like, all right, who's your best available player? And we'll all be saying our guy for like eighty picks in a row until yep. he gets picked. It's where you it's where your Which, pet cats end up. I don't wanna
2: give us too much credit, but I think, you know, I guess there's no way to say it without giving us a lot of credit, but like <laughs> that's how Bradley and I situations wind up though, sure. is like, you know, a really good player, senior bowl MVP, maybe some people thought of him as a third or fourth round pick, he falls all the way down to the end of the fifth round, and everybody's super excited because he was the best guy left on everybody's sheet, uh, but he's still a late fifth-round pick, and sometimes that gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's also a spot where you could maybe look at a quarterback as well.
0: I, I think maybe you saw it last year with Ben DiNucci really late in, in the, the draft seventh round. You look at it and you go, oh, look at this guy. Out of James Madison, it's Ben DiNucci. We thought at the point it was going to be the Washington State kid and and Gordon, uh, Anthony Gordon, that was also a Senior Bowl quarterback last year. We thought if they were going to go quarterback, it was probably going to be him. Instead, they went with Ben DiNucci. I think you could possibly see another situation like that again where it's uh, out of the ten picks that they have, one of them might be a backup quarterback uh, sitting in the wings if they, of course, don't take a quarterback early on due to uh, various – ensuing negotiations in which we will not get into at the moment on this show. So moving on to the next question, Scott Fitz on Twitter says, if the Cowboys don't select a corner at the 10th overall pick, Who are some of the corners on day two that could fit into Dan Quinn's scheme specifically? And I mean, Dave, you just talked about it a little bit ago. I mean, if you're drafting a day two corner, you expect him to come in, make an impact. That's what Trayvon Diggs did this past year. You were hoping that same thing for a guy like Reggie Robinson. Didn't necessarily get that. But are there any guys that stick out to you, Brian, when it comes to somebody that could potentially fit into Dan Quinn's defensive scheme?
1: Yeah, you know the the thing that what I'm gathering about talking to people that know Joe Witt, know Dan Quinn, they Witt is really really big on the ability to have a corner that can run. That that's important to him, and you know he's really big on on playing like that deep space and. You know, he doesn't want to be exposed. Now, say what you want about Diggs and his ability to run and to cover and stuff like that, but you wouldn't say that Diggs is a really speedy guy. And so I think what you have to do is you have to keep your eye on those guys. Now, let's see what a guy like, you know, Tyson Campbell from Georgia, let's see what Eric Stokes from Georgia, you know, these are guys, Josh Job from Alabama, uh, you know, these are guys that that are all kind of in that long, kind of rangy build that they like, but how well can they run? I think it's going to be a matter of, like, they're they're going to be comfortable with digs, but whoever they draft in the second round or third round, I think is going to have to have length. And he's going to have to have speed. They just don't want to go in there with. You can't just sit there. That's why, if you look at why Farley would be really entertaining to them in the first round, if they could get Farley, is because he is long and he can run. You know, and that's that. That'll be important to this secondary, and that'll be important to Dan Quinn and and him going forward. So, you know, you could throw out uh, probably a bunch of names, but if they have length. And you start to hear that they ran well, and they're talked about in the second round. I would guarantee you those are guys that the Cowboys are going to target.
2: Dave, Brian kind of stole my thunder a little bit, but like if we're trying to if we're trying to keep it on um, you know if we're trying to keep it on the Senior Bowl because that's what's happening this week, I'm fascinated by Ifiatu uh, Melifanwu. Mm-hmm. Just I mean. As soon as I realized what his measurables are, and by you know, you can go, look the senior bowl tweeted out his official measurables, like he's every bit of like six, two and a half, two, thirteen big ass wingspan. And I mean, i I you know, we always fall into this trap of comparing prospects to you know, Hall of Fame caliber players. But it's hard not to think about a guy like Richard Sherman when you hear that. And that's who Dan Quinn coached when this defense was at its best. So yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see how high his stock rises because, you know, we're always, we in the media are always behind the actual scouting conversation. And I'm sitting here like, oh, you know, maybe this guy's stock can, can climb a little bit, whereas maybe other people think it's already up there. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, if he, if he handles himself well in these practices, I bet we'll be talking about him even more than we already are.
1: Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell you guys though. Like I was earlier though, just keep an eye on the speed. And it's it's not that they have to have this guy that's a four three guy. It's it's important to wit the, the 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 secondary coach. I mean, he he's going to they're they're going him and Al Harris. They're going to figure out like, okay, what do we have on one side with Digs, and what do we need on the other side? I just don't see them having. Two corners that have okay speed. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be about it's going to be about. Okay, we can we can have one. And Richard Sherman was that way. Richard was a four basically a four five five guy coming out of Stanford. That's yeah. why he lasted till the fifth round. So you know, teams are very mindful of the speed. They're very mindful of the length. Now, I mean, there's a. I'll tell you what. I, I keep falling in love as a first round player with this JC Horn out of South Carolina. You know, I everybody talks about Farley and Sertan. But for me, put J C Horn up there too. You know, as a guy that you would you would look at very, very strongly uh, for consideration if you were looking for those those top cornerbacks.
0: Jeff Uh
3: yeah I think so My biggest thing when you talk about corners and Dan Campbell and, or not, golly, I just got sucked. Mixing up your Dans.
1: Bites the recap for saying that.
3: Yeah, I was thinking about Dan's amazing speech. I think about it a lot. (laughs) Uh, But we'll go Dan Dan Quinn instead. Uh, One of my favorite things that I've read was something that Richard Sherman said about him a few weeks ago, and I don't remember what game he was talking about, but he was talking about how Dan Quinn came into the locker room and they were losing. Yeah. And Quinn was like, all right, guys, bad news. Uh, what we're doing isn't working. So I know you guys aren't built for this. We're playing man in the second half. And they stopped him, and they won the game. And so, like, I can respect that coaches have things that they're looking for, but I just really hope that they don't care if he's 5'11 or 6'3. <laughs> they don't care if he runs a four three two 2 or a five one Find the players, and and for crying out loud, build your defense around the best players you can find. Don't try to make sure that, well, this is what I like to do, so I've got to find a player that can do... No, find the best players and be an adaptive coach. That's what I want. So I just want to identify the best corners, put them all in order, and pick them in order. And then, coach, your job is to be really smart. You're a coach. Figure out how this is going to work. Put him in position. And let's go.
1: Well, I'll tell you one thing, man. It's so much fun to watch these kids whose dads play in the league. I got to uh, I got to watch uh, Elijah Molden play the other day. Yeah. I didn't know his dad was Alex Molden, who in my my last draft in Green Bay was uh, you know we was picked by the Saints, 11th overall. His his kid is a good player. He's 5'10", though. Yep. The Samuels kid is a good player. He's 5'10". I mean these are guys that you can legitimately watch and you and you're sitting there going, "Man, these are good players." And to Jeff's point, if you're not if you're not playing the trades game, those kids should be absolutely considered with all these other corners that are going to be drafted. I mean they they they're all good players. But, you know, there's some teams that get measurable conscious and and I do worry a little bit about with the Cowboys with what's going on. From what I'm hearing about wit And the type of corner that he likes, you know, it might be a little bit of a focus on okay, we got this type of corner on one side, I need this type of corner on the other.
0: Now, do you think uh, the other side would be fitting for a guy like a Caleb Farley? I mean, we're talking about these 5'10 guys. Caleb Farley is not that. 6'2, oh, no, absolutely. 200 pounds. I yeah. mean, he is yeah. every bit of the yeah. measurables you want in a corner. Do you think he could potentially be there? Because our next Twitter on the 20 question is Bender Bending. He asked, is Caleb Farley elite compared to the rest of the cornerback position in the past? Or is he just elite with this year's group? Because he's starting. At least this guy tweeting said that he is not liking. He's starting to not like the the possibility of taking a corner at ten.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not going to call him elite. I'm going to call him the best of the class. You know, we've. Uh, you know, it's it's funny how we were. <laughs> We go through these cornerbacks, and you know the kid that was taken at Detroit last year, you know, and and you know he, he gets banged up, and and you know, all of a sudden you're, you know, you're sitting there trying to kind of figure some things out, and you know, but <laughs> I'm looking, at, I'm looking at Farley, I'm seeing a, a good player. Mm-hmm. That there, there's there's a side of me that when we were picking at four. I was nervous about taking him or Sertan or one of those guys. Picking him at 10, yeah, a little bit better feeling there. Picking him at 12, a really good feeling right there. Mm. you know. But if you're going to take the best corner in this draft and try and project him to be a, an outstanding player, Farley gives you that best chance. In my opinion, he does. But when you start comparing him to corners and other drafts, I don't think he would be necessarily the top corner in in the last say four or five drafts that I've worked on. Mm.
2: I think that's perfectly put, honestly, Brian. And I mean, there have been other great cornerbacks to come out in that time, but probably because of my obvious connection, like when you're talking about like a surefire slam dunk, like elite cornerback. And I hate that word, but it is what it is. I always I go back to Patrick Peterson, just like. Mm-hmm. A guy that you're like, he can do everything. He's a slam dunk. He's going to be a Pro Bowler as a rookie. You can't miss. Um, that's what, and and that's exactly what Peterson was. And I, those guys just they they aren't there every year. And yeah. I don't think any cornerback in this class is that guy. I, I'm with you. I started to get real nervous about picking in the top five if it, if they were going to pick a cornerback because I'm not sure I'm not sure either of these guys is worth it. But down at down yeah. at ten. Doesn't bother me. Patrick Sertan doesn't bother me at ten. Caleb Farley's yeah. fine. It scares me that, you know, he'll have gone a long, long time without live reps by the time they draft him. But, you know, I I liked what I've seen from his 2019 tape enough that I'm comfortable taking that risk. Especially again, you're down the board a little bit, at, you know, at least a little ways from where we thought they might be. And um, and yeah, I mean, I I would say. I feel I'm comfortable with him or Sertan saying that they're the best in the class. I don't have a strong opinion about it either way, but I feel a lot better about it at 10 than I would have higher up for sure. Well,
1: let me ask you guys a question. Would you, with Detroit having a new general manager and head coach, would you send the 10th overall pick for Jeff, Jeffrey Okuda to Detroit?
2: Mm. Newer is always better. Newer's always better. Give me the cheap guy that I don't like. What am I giving up for Jeff Okuda?
1: You're giving up the tenth overall pick. You're going to get you're going to get a corner that we all thought was a top was three player last year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And he's only a year removed from the from the game, from 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 the draft. You giving a tenth overall pick up to make sure you go get one of the best corners. You go get a corner that you thought was elite.
0: I think when I would. He didn't have do it. a great
1: rookie year. I
2: even and after he not didn't have a great, great rookie, rookie year, I
0: would still do it. I think I would still do it.
2: The other thing I'm such a cheapskate. Like years of cheap labor mean everything to me. I want that I want all of the team control I can get and Jeff yeah. Rakuta is already a year toward needing a contract extension and if he And gets, he makes more yeah, yeah, but you, yeah, but you, but you also got him.
1: it. You also, yeah, you do have him on the fifth-year option, though. Too, you can use.
4: Yeah,
3: you got uh, the tenth overall pick on that option. Yeah, let me go ahead and. But you're I'll talking about potentially picking a
1: corner that you're not in love. Well, uh, Dave sounds like he's in love with Farley at no, ten. No, I'm not in
2: love. I'm not in love. I feel, I feel just right. Like I feel like if you tell me that if you tell me that it's Caleb like Farley, are you guys scared? You
1: guys are scared because Akuda did didn't have a great rookie year because he was hurt. Is that what you're telling me? Hell yeah. Yeah, he had a bad
3: rookie. Yeah, he had a bad rookie year. What's wrong with
1: that? Are you guys telling me that Akuda is not a better player than Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertan? Twelve months ago, I thought he was for sure. Yeah, he okay. was yeah. a better college player. <laughs> so you're saying you're wrong right now then about him? You're saying you guys were wrong about it, right? We're wrong on so many players. It's the way No, I'm just. I'm just, a year. I'm just asking I'm just um, asking. We're no, talking I, about. We're t- the question was
3: about elite corners. Yeah, that's you know, a good we, question. Yeah, I, because I, because I think if you were to plop these corners, I love the word plop. By the way, <laughs> if you were to plop these corners into last year's draft class, I think to me, Sertan, Farley, Horn they're all right there battling with CJ Henderson for the right to be picked. I would agree with in that. In my world somewhere I think I think Henderson went did he end up going like nine? nine? But he in went my nine world Jacksonville. Okay. See, in my world all those guys should be battling to be picked somewhere in the teens. And yeah. that's that's just kind of the level corner and I you're right. I had no doubt. Jeff Okuda to me was awesome prospect. Um I'd have to really go watch And watch what happened in Detroit And I think part of it was probably That he was told, hey, you're a top five pick Welcome to covering the best receivers in the league One-on-one, and they play a bunch of men in Detroit And so it's probably just really, really hard um, So I think it's a great question i just have to go back and watch him Because yes, I thought he was a better prospect Than any of these corners and Okay, close. if Jeff Okuda
1: was there at 10
2: We'd be doing backflips Yeah, for sure Yeah,
1: oh, so yeah. what?
3: That, I mean, we could say
2: that every year. You could say that every. I, I was no, actually. I'm just.
1: I'm just talking about. I'm just talking about corners and where. Where like Farley and Sertan and those guys. And I think. I think you guys have got him right. All
2: you know, right. How but, about this? I like. Uh, I think I like Farley and Sertan more than I liked C.J. Henderson. Am I crazy for thinking that? No, I, I think they're I, right I in that with inter- you interchangeable.
1: No, I I, was, I liked Henderson better than that. I, I was never was
2: one of my in love top with guys. Henderson. Yeah.
3: I that's it. I don't know. I mean. And not crazy. And I think that it would be. I would have to figure out the order. I think Henderson would go right in there with Farley, Sertan, Horn. Unless you draft, Brian, obviously. If you nail it, if you nail the pick and
2: the guy's a stud from day one, it's different. But otherwise, draft picks are like cars. Like, the minute you drive them off the lot, they start losing value. So, like, yeah. I've always rather hang on to the shiny the shiny new pick with no mileage than the one that like, oh like it still runs great and it, it could it could still be a great car but like it's already got five thousand miles on it and it's a little bit dinged up. Like I'll take my chances with the new one.
0: So uh just for just for reference everybody, yeah. you want to talk about uh technical difficulties that we had early in the show. You guys aren't going to believe this, but the fire alarm is going off at this very moment in the stars. So. Hell
3: yeah, bro. Um
0: Yeah, so the, the technical. You want me to this thing? No, I, you might have to because they just came in and told me that we're going to have to evacuate the building. Um, so. They yeah, told so you? you have to leave, a security we got it, guard. Cool. So I don't know if I no. should do that or not. No. I think I might just stay here. So
3: we're going to. Draft show a, is
0: more important. Yeah, I agree. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we've got some dogs that we're going to talk about on the Senior Bowl circuit and some guys that are going to be available here over the next uh, couple of days to see. I know we, we can already hear them. There are so many dogs in the background a little bit. There's an ominous of those dogs in the background. We're going to talk about it next when we come back here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen.
3: May I have a new candle
0: please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan may not be in your area. See att.com/5g for you for details.
2: This is the DallasCowboys.com draft show
0: couple minutes here of the draft show and yes we are still here thank goodness as the alarm has been shut off <laughs> and I liked one of the comments on on the the periscope stream said someone's is uh, we're all on to something as the draft show because they're trying to shut down the combo because we're giving away all the draft secrets that's what's happening at the moment but you yep. can't slow us yep, yep. down this alarm can't slow us yep, yep. down Dave Hellman we've got Jeff Cavanaugh Brian Bratis I'm Kyle Yeomans final couple minutes here of course senior bowl week kicking off today in mobile all of the measurements have already been taken they are out on the social media of the senior bowl go check that out we'll give you tons of updates throughout the week as well on our various social media accounts but we talked a lot of specific offensive names in last week's tuesday show with bucky and brian and dave and kind of went through a lot of the guys on the offensive side of the football of course we're very defensive heavy this year via the draft process for good reason because the Cowboys obviously need a ton of uh, defense but guys whatever you look at the list of senior bowl talent and Jeff we'll start with you on this one which level of the defense has the deepest amount of talent are we going to go with the defensive line linebackers secondary if you had to pick one of the three units that's deepest down in mobile this week which one would it be
3: Oh, that is a cheater question, Kyle. Mm-hmm. I really like them all, so I'm just going to pick the one that I want to talk about the most Okay. there's a couple of guys we haven't talked about a lot on the draft show. I like it. Um, the American team at the Senior Bowl, I really like the secondary group there because they got a bunch of dudes that I'm a big fan of. We've talked about some of them. Uh, uh, Tyree Gillespie, the Missouri free safety, I think he's a fun potential say, third-round pick. The Florida State safety, Cyril Dean, and, boy, he is a monster. So, if you wanted to say, hey, I'm going to move him to weak side linebacker and we're going to party, I would say let's get it.
0: I'm right there with you. I I saw him yesterday, Jeff. I watched him yesterday, and this is a guy who had a torn ACL, missed all but two games in 2020, and then he comes back and plays NC State. And just tears them up. And then he goes against Duke and plays even better in his second game against Duke. I really liked him overall as Jeff's camera just falls down off of his snow globe. But I really liked Nasir ah! Dean and what he brought to the table out of Florida State. Am I still alive? Yes, you're there. You're yes, you alive. are. We got
3: you. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, now I want to talk about my Central Florida dudes because my Central Florida dudes are dogs. Okay? Central Florida's got a free safety named Richie Grant. And if you have not seen Richie Grant, I would advise you to see Richie Grant because he is now in my top three safeties in this draft class. Richie Grant is a real-life free safety that can get sideline to sideline. And when a running back breaks free right up the middle, Richie Grant has zero fear about the collision that's about to take place, and he wants to be part of it. I like Richie Grant a lot. They also have a corner named Aaron Robinson at Central Florida. He plays the slot for them. He's not the best cover corner in terms of you're blanketed all the time, but if guys start pulling away from him, you get to see speed and you see tenaciousness and you see a dude that tackles. So Central Florida, they got dudes for you in the secondary. And those are all guys that if I'm a Cowboy fan, I'm looking at and I'm saying, all right, talk to me about what we're going to do in rounds two and three because I think there's a lot of really fun secondary players that I would love to see added to this team.
0: Brian, you really liked Richie Grant as well out of Central Florida, correct?
1: Yeah, Jeff's absolutely right about him. I think that, and even late last night when I was studying him, it, it was one of those things people asked me, where would you play him? I said, I, I, you can play him up or back. It doesn't matter. There's tape of him playing in the middle of the, the UCF logo, ball going all the way to the outside against Tulsa. And he's running, I mean, dead sprint, covering, and gets in position. I mean, the ball even throw, is like hadn't even thrown, and he's moving. He read it that fast. And, you know, I, I just like the guy's toughness. He's a physical tackler, sometimes a block-down tackler, but he will throw his body around. The one thing you notice is when he huddles up, his uniform is dirtier than everyone else's uniform. <laughs> and that yeah. tells me a lot about the kid. You know, there's everybody else's uniform looks nice and clean. His is completely a mess. And that tells me a lot. And so I, I, I am a big fan. I think I think he's a true free safety. and But I also think, like, if you want to put him uh, down in the box and let him tackle and let him take on runners and, and, and toss sweeps and stuff like that, that son of a gun will fill and make a play for you. Really, really good football player.
2: Dave, okay, I'm glad I'm glad y'all didn't I'm glad y'all didn't take mine cuz I act <laughs> like I wrote a I wrote a preview piece for dallascowboys.com yesterday just sort of diving into who all's actually down there and and who's actually going to participate and I, I'm excited about these linebackers. Yeah, like look,
1: You like Bra- uh, Baron Joe, Browning? Okay,
2: I mean, there's about there's about six of them that piqued my interest. Oh, so we, hot. we know yeah. Baron Browning. He played great in the playoffs. It's good for him. Chaz Surratt, Bucky Brooks, last week on our show talked about him a lot. Carolina, I think he had six sacks for Carolina this year, which is very intriguing to me. See what a guy like Devin White can do in Tampa Bay's defense when you let him blitz. And then on the other team... Obviously, you know we, we talked about our guy Jabril Cox last week as well. Uh, maybe the only good thing about LSU's defense this yep. year. And a name that I'm really interested in that I want to know more about is KJ Britt out of Auburn. Auburn. Uh, all SEC, first team all SEC last year, 10 tackles for loss as a junior, only played in two games this year. He had to have surgery on his thumb in October. so this is the first live action he's gonna see in you know three months. And he checked in today at what six flat two thirty nine. Mm-hmm. And the other reason this is exciting to me is, you know, again, like I'm I'm curious to see what that means for like the type of linebacker that Dan Quinn might want. Because all I can think about with him is he drafted Dion Jones, who turned you know undersized linebacker who turned into a great player. He did it again with Duke Ridley, who never really hit that potential. But again, like you, you can. Oh, thank you. Wow, he even went to LSU, and I screwed up his name. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> um, but uh, like the the archetype is what interests me. Like Dan Quinn is not afraid to draft shorter, smaller, faster linebackers, and there's a few of those guys in Mobile. I, li- I just listed off a few of them, but Surratt is really interesting to me. Britt is really interesting to me just because he's coming off of this injury. so and and none of these guys are like you know, first round targets, by the way. So these are all guys that the Cowboys could maybe find on like day two and and that's really exciting to me. So that's, yeah, I like that a lot.
1: Hey Kyle, and there's another group you need to kind of keep an eye on, and mm-hmm. maybe not so much for Cowboys' sake, but you know, just you're gonna have to sort out what's going on with Jordan Smith from Alabama Birmingham mm-hmm. as a potential defensive end linebacker. Rashad Weaver is another one from Pitt that is kind of that 6'4", 265 hundred sixty five pound guy. You know, there, there's some good defensive ends in this in this thing that. That people are going to have to say, okay, is he a linebacker? Is he an end? Uh, you know, that's the great thing about the Senior Bowl because these coaches will play these guys at a couple of different spots, and you can kind of get a gauge of really how they fit best for your scheme, whether you're uh, an odd scheme or an even scheme, you know, with a four-three or a three-four.
2: I've got I got one more too, and Brian, it kind of touches on that. You you have talked on our show already about Levi Onsarike, right? I have.
1: Mm. He's one of my. He's one of my favorite players. He So, is
2: yeah. Shame on me. I'm behind you. Obviously, I didn't realize he was an opt out. Yeah. Uh, I didn't yeah. realize that he didn't play in 2020, and so he's down there. He's gonna compete, and like, I wish we got to see more of that. Mm-hmm. Is I wish more of these opt out guys were doing stuff like this. So you know. Some it's of them not. Are.
3: Um, <clears throat> Michigan's got a couple of guys, Amber yep. Thomas yep. and Nico yep. Collins. There's some opt out yep. guys that are going down there and getting in the action. It's
2: very exciting to me that a guy, you know, because the thing about opt outs is you're scared about not knowing what they look like after a year away. Well, if you've got these three practices of Levi going against badasses, that makes me feel a hell of a lot better about mm-hmm. drafting him. Uh, no, so I'm... No.
1: yeah. This guy, J- Dave, I'm glad you mentioned it because. He is my ideal uh, under-tackle, you know, uh, that three technique. Guy that plays on the outside shoulder of the guard. I mean, he is – this guy, he can make some things happen at the point of attack. When you watch him, he's super active. He does a nice job of of finding the ball. He gets over. He finishes plays. I mean, Washington's got a couple of guys. Like I mentioned, I mentioned Molden. They've Mm -hmm. got a guy, uh, Tryon, the defensive end, number nine. Uh, that's uh, that's a that's a good player for them. Uh, you know, Levi here. I mean, they they got Taylor is another corner got that some
0: Washington has down yeah, there Yeah, I haven't
1: I haven't watched him yet, but yeah, I wasn't he's as a impressed, guy you have but to, he's so, there. Yeah, if you've got if you've got some access to the University of Washington tape, whether this year or in 2019, uh, man, it, you can make some really good use of it.
0: Onzarique by the way, and and Dave and I talked about this earlier. If there were to be a Dallas Day, which I don't know if that's even going to happen because of COVID nineteen and whatnot later in the draft process. I believe the
3: rules are that no team can have any player at their facility at all ever leading yeah. up to okay. the draft.
0: Okay, well there you go. Yeah. So no Dallas Day. Never mind. I was going to say he's he would have been from a guy. Allen, right? Yeah, he's from Allen. Yep. Allen High School. Yeah. He was a former Allen Eagle. So he's down the road. He would have been at least in that uh, in that discussion but not this year because of COVID-19. Well,
1: he needs to be in the discussion of defensive tackles you're going to draft. Agreed. That he he needs <laughs> to be in that Let's do mix. It. Yeah. I'm Please. all
0: on that train. That would be awesome. If you take him in the second or the third round, I don't know if he makes it to the third, but you
2: take him in the second at 44, I'm I think down he's for that. I
1: think he's a second round player.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think
1: he's second round. Yeah.
2: This happens to me every single year, so I'm not surprised at all by this point. But, you know, you look at your options at 10, you're like, okay, like, you know, Farley, Sertan, those are good players, that's kind of, that would be fine. But I start getting really excited when you start pitching me on who could be available in the second round. I'm like, holy crap, that guy might be there? Like. There's been about eight of those guys where I'm like, like, Onzarike is a great example. Like, you're telling me I could get him at 44? Yeah. That's way more exciting to me than the options at 10. I, I just – that happens every year, though. Can, just hey, take
3: him at hey,
1: 10. Hey, guys, can I <laughs> – yeah, there you go. <laughs> can I bring up one more guy? We talked about guys that can maybe help himself, and I don't know if you guys will agree on this player, but it's on the offensive side of the ball. Alex Leatherwood from Alabama. Yeah, and, yes. And, and, and I want I want to say – Alex Leatherwood, like, going back to Alabama, I can understand it because of way the, the draft fell last year. But I, I want to see if Alex Leatherwood is in that mix of the guys this year, the top guys. So these tackles we've talked about with Slater and Sewell, you know, and the, and the uh, Derishaw, or Derishaw from uh, Virginia Tech. I want to see where Alex Leatherwood comes out of that, again, from Alabama. Keep an eye on on him the type of week he has. Him and, uh, and uh, Deontay Brown, his running buddy uh, from uh, Alabama, God, is there as well, being just a massive guy. So two guys that if you're looking for offensive linemen, one tackle, one guard, and uh, kind of play that. I'm really excited about seeing Creed Humphrey, too, uh, from Oklahoma, Oklahoma. the center. So, yeah, so just kind of keep an eye on some of these offensive linemen, too, and and see where they're going to fall in the mix uh, when we get to start stacking these boards. Isn't that fun
0: about the Senior Bowl? Because we can start it talking about guys from Grambling State and Northern Iowa and how we're excited to see that. And then at the end you're talking about Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma and Alex Leatherwood from Alabama. Yeah. and You get to talk about the big school guys and the small school guys They combine. You get to have all kind of that, that competition and getting in the, the, the thick of things. And I love that about the Senior Bowl. It's always been one of my yeah. favorite events and I think that continues even in a year like this Uh, and I'm so glad that they will have it we'll have plenty of updates throughout the week from the Senior Bowl, even though we are not there in Mobile, we'll be back on Thursday, 10 a.m. Jeff might be on that show. Should we not be able to get Bucky Brooks back on for a Thursday? But for today, that's well, be Hold on. on, just because he show. didn't get show up now, I get kicked off my show? Yeah, we'll see. What? The th- yeah, th- yeah we'll
3: that's see. that's how a rotating Bucky cast works. We've done If Bucky doesn't come
1: back, I'll I'll volunteer. I'll volunteer. back if Bucky doesn't come back. play It'll be
2: fine. Well,
1: Jeff's oh, upset about that. it, but for mm-hmm.
0: Matt. In the back for Jeff Cavanaugh Brian Broaddus and David Hellman. I'm Kyle Yeomans. Thanks for listening. We'll see you Thursday on the Draft Show. This
1: has been a production
0: of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club.
1: How about you, Cowboys? Yeah!